be together. Why don't you, uh, if you've got a Bible, turn with me to uh, Matthew and chapter 6, please, if you would. And uh, we're going to just read a few verses together as you turn to the verses. Let me just say, um, it, it is really great um, to be able to follow the, the, the sermons on podcast. I keep mentioning it in every opportunity because I think it's really important not just to be um, people who just come to church and hear a message. Because uh, Phil mentioned this morning that you know it's really encouraging for a preacher when um, you preach your heart out and then somebody... Ten minutes later says, I have no idea what you just said to me. Well, that might be ten minutes fulfilled. My experience is somebody actually says to me, did you actually preach this morning? That's even worse. That's even worse, let me tell you. But um, I actually believe uh, one, of the, one of the keys to actually retaining stuff is revisiting it again and listening to it again. And we have an opportunity to be able to do that for those who are on um, obviously, they can get access to a computer. If you can't, and you have no access to a computer, but you'd love the messages, we still can produce them on CD. And we will do that for you. It might only just be one or two of you, because increasingly more and more people have got uh, internet and have got a computer. But we're more than happy to do that, so you can get the word in you. All you need to do is just make mention of that at the resource hub, and that will be brilliant. I still really believe that what we're doing at the moment... Uh, has anybody ever been involved in a building project? Has anybody ever been involved? Okay, there's a few of you. You've, you, you know, whether it's a commercial project or whether it's a personal uh, project, very often what needs to happen before any building work happens, the first thing you need to do is this. You have to clear the site. You have to clear the site. And there are things that you have to clear naturally speaking, in a building site before, and everybody wants to get to the bricks, because then they can see activity. But then what happens once you've cleared the site, you then have to dig some foundations. And we get, there, in comes the big JCBs and the big dig, diggers. And uh, I was listening to a story, the church that I um, was part of for uh, 10 years back in, uh, in Milton Keynes, they'd just done a new build. And I was hearing George, the, 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 the old senior pastor, just make comment of how when they did the first build, people were coming in by hand at night after work, digging the trenches to, to get the foundations laid. Absolutely. And uh, you have to dig deep foundations if you want to build a big building. And then everybody wants to get to the place where we, we know now something's happened. Then you start to lay the bricks. And then, of course, once you've laid the bricks, you've got to put the roof on. And then once you put the roof on, you've got to deck it all out. And we all think, isn't that lovely? But guess what? In a couple of years, it'll need repurposing again. It'll need redecking because things move on and times change and things need to happen. But what will stand the test of time is what? The foundations. Now, why have we determined as a leadership to go on this series? And I'm sure Phil... Phil looked, looked, you know, mentioned this, was we, because we are committed to laying God foundations. It's interesting that Jesus, very on, in, early on in his ministry, we come to Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And this is where we're going to be working from. And I, we've titled this series, Raising the Bar. I don't know whether Phil had the opportunity of bringing the bar. The bar the, wow. Okay. 
I didn't manage to get that one. For some reason, they've not always been on podcasts, the Mansfield ones. I've only just managed to listen to yours, actually, from last week. So I'll talk to you later about that. No, I'm only joking. I'm only, I'm only jesting. I'm only jesting. Okay. But uh, I just like to mix it up a little bit. But, um, you know, we, 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 we called it Raising the Bar. And uh, I'm going to be addressing um, tonight the law of right stewardship. But let me just make a comment here, because as we read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and we're not going to have opportunity with the lead up to Christmas to address everything, but in these, in these verses that we see issues of reconciliation, inner purity, integrity, the law of inconvenience, we see the law of perfect love, the law of right motivation, and there is a number of different things that come through these verses. And I want to tell you guys, when I look at these verses, and I was actually reading them whilst I was away again, I needed to lie down on the sun lounger again. I was like, you know, Jesus, you've got to be kidding. Because we keep hearing this said, you have heard it was said, but then Jesus always saying, but I tell you, there was a bar that was raised every single time. And we come to Matthew And chapter 6, do I need to take this up a little bit? Am I doing the, yeah, good grief, Jesus, please help me. Okay, there we go. Matthew chapter 6, and let's start, shall we, at verse 19, and uh, let's get into the, the Bible, shall we? He says there, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If if your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. These are significant verses that I won't unpack. We haven't got time. But if your eyes are bad, it's not talking about these eyes, but if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. This is a descriptive, Jesus using descriptive language that's an awful picture of somebody who's dark, full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Then he says, verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one And despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount are so simple and yet so powerful. Some people could describe it as being profoundly simple. They are, for me, full of inspiration and full of correction. I find them breathtaking. Whilst I've been away, I haven't recaptured my love because I didn't lose it. But I want to tell you, I fell in love with Jesus over and over again whilst I've been away. He is just a remarkable, remarkable Lord and Savior. He really is. And the picture of Jesus coming to earth in flesh is just remarkable. And the words of Jesus are so breathtakingly, oh, you know, there's just a sigh because... There are some things that he addresses, and even this subject of the right stewardship, let's be honest, we all struggle with this. 
We all want to serve ourselves. We all want to serve other things. There are many things that get in the way. And we all struggle with those things. And we'd be lying if we didn't. You may say, well, I don't have an issue with, with money. Some of you here don't have an issue with money. That's fine. But what about work? Some of you love work. And it's become almost like before God. You see, you can't love your work more than you love God. For some of you, it is money. For some of you, it's recreational pursuits. Now, let me be clear. I love the fact that some of you guys are doing all kinds of things. And Jesus himself said, life is for living. He wants you to live it to the full. He wants you to enjoy enjoy yourself. But if that motorbike is becoming more important... Sorry, Mick, I'm not picking on you, actually. Just realized Mick's got a motorbike, hasn't he? That was not a prophetic word, okay? It might have been, actually. But if that motorbike is more important to you as a recreational tool than God, there's a problem. If that sports car is more important to you than, than God, then there's a problem. If that thing that you like doing is more important to you than God, then there is a problem. You see, you can't serve two masters. Now, Jesus was addressing, all commentators will tell you, he was addressing the issue of money. For sure, he was addressing the issue of money. And one of the things that we want to say at the very foundation of Arena Church Mansfield, we won't be frightened to talk about sex, and we won't be frightened to talk about money. I don't want to talk endlessly about sex, or otherwise we become like everybody else out there. But it is something that's very natural and very beautiful in the right context. In the same way, there's nothing dirty about money. There's something very powerful about money if it's used correctly. So we won't you know, hide away from either of these subjects because Jesus didn't. And Jesus was addressing the issue of not storing treasures up here on earth. You see, treasure decays. It loses value. It can be broken. It can be stolen. And what we must be careful is we don't work for what is seen. And unfortunately, most of us just grapple with that which is seen. We just live with that which is the visible. And yet God wants us to see the invisible. He wants us to see beyond those things. Too many people pursue wealth when our should, pursuit should be, the well, uh, should be to pursue God. And this is what Jesus was addressing. He was saying, please pursue me above all other things. There's a verse in Proverbs 23, verse 4, and it says this, Don't weary yourself trying to get rich. Why waste your time? For riches can disappear as though they're the wings of a bird. You see, Jesus does not want us serving both money and God. He wants us to be completely in love, completely, wholly, utterly in love with him. So, you may say, well, that's fine, Christian. I get it. I need to be a good steward of what I've been given, okay? And I'm not going to serve other things. I'm going to serve God. But my question out of this is, because there's a statement there. It says, do not store for yourselves treasures here on earth, but store for yourselves treasures in heaven. I want to say I'm fascinated by that statement. Treasures in heaven. That indicates to me that actually there is going to be a day of reckoning. I just want to make a statement here because we all live in the here and now. I want to say the here and now 
is so temporary, it's frightening. James describes our life as like a vapor, like a mist. Here today, gone tomorrow. Here today, gone tomorrow. And we all live with this temporal thing. But I want to say, outside of this world, as we open the cupboard door, as somebody described it once, we enter into a whole new world. It's called eternity. And it's very real. And for those people who love Jesus, there is going to be an eternity to be spent with him. It's not that we're going to get wings and we're going to flutter. You could imagine me in a set of wings, couldn't you? I know you all think I'm angelic as it is now. I understand that. I really do. But we're not going to get a set of wings on how we've behaved and all that nonsense that goes around. But there is going to be an account of what we actually did with our lives. I've heard many commentators and many preachers talk about that good and faithful servant. I want Jesus to say, oh, good and faithful servant. Well, so do I. But I believe this is connected. These verses are connected. Because if we want Jesus to say good and faithful servants, we better make sure that we work this side of eternity according to the beat of his drum and not the beat of ours. Because if we will go to the beat of his drum and march to the beat of his drum, we will store up for ourselves treasures not on earth, but in heaven. I want to just take a few moments to just things that I think that are really important if we want to be people that store up treasures in heaven. How do we store up treasures in heaven? Well, the first thing I want to say is this. There's a man who runs a very significant church, leads a very significant church in the States that runs at thousands, but more than that has influenced, influenced many, many people. A fantastic fella. And he uses a phrase, and this is my first point, only God. You see, this man realizes that even though success has come, seemingly come to his life and his ministry, he often quotes it in emails and in books and other, and in other statements, preaching, because he recognizes actually the success and whatever has come to him is only God. Only God. If you want to store up treasures... In heaven, you need to get to the point where you recognize it's only God. God is all that matters. God is the be-all and the end-all. He is everything to you. And if we would live with that real sense of only God. So as I wake up in the morning, God, it's all about you. As I lie down, God, it's all about you. Oh, doesn't that sound a bit too spiritual? It's not spiritual at all. It's just saying, God, this is all about You. And I realize, and I'm realizing more and more, that if I will live my life with that kind of attitude, only God, God allows all sorts of doors and opportunities to come my way that are really, really cool. All sorts of places, things that I can do, people that I meet. It's amazing what God does, because God isn't wanting us to live unto him. And then he says, you know what, they're living unto me, I'm going to give them a really boring life. He actually says, you live for me and I'm going to open up a world of imagination. The Willy Wonka. World of imagination. He will open up all this kind of opportunity for you if we will live for God. 
Arena Church, if we will live and give ourselves, we heard this morning about not just living individually but collectively, if as a collective group of people, we will say, it's all about God. I want to say God will do amazing things with our lives. God will do amazing things with our money. God will do amazing things with our talent. God will give us great dreams and great opportunities. It will take us places that we never even dared possible. We will go. I'm not hyping you up. It's just a reality. He's looking for people who will say, only God. I'm not bothered about other things. Only God. God is all that matters to me. That is what he's looking for. So only God. Let me challenge you by saying with this, you have to determine and decide today who you will serve. Who you will serve. You see, you can't serve two masters. You can't. Have you ever done that before? Where you've tried to straddle something. It might have been a boat. If my wife was here, me and my wife were brilliant with boats. Absolutely brilliant. That's another story in itself. But you've, you've been somewhere and you just, you thought you'd got it and then it's moved. And I don't go much further than this or well here. Okay. But you just can feel it going away from you and you're going further and further away. Have you ever been that? Yeah. And you're unstable. You're unsure. You don't know which way to go because if you feel go backwards, you're going to foot forwards. Oh, Lord, please help me. Help me out, is it? Anybody ever done this? It's the most uncomfortable position to be in. But this is how we live our lives. Most of us live our lives, I have to be honest, where we're serving two masters. And no wonder it's uncomfortable. I remember, you know, endeavoring to to please God as a schoolboy, and I really did have a passion for God, but I wasn't always pumped up and, and just serving him because there was a times when I got involved in stuff that I shouldn't have got involved in and said things that I shouldn't have said. And I used to come to church just racked with guilt, thinking, you know, I'm not really being true to the one I believe. Thankfully, at the age of 39, I can stand before you. I don't feel like I'm straddling two worlds. I just, I'm stood here saying, you know what? Only God. So we have to determine and decide today, if you want to store up treasures on, in heaven, not on earth, you have to determine today, it's only God. I'm not bothered about the other stuff. It's only God. And that's a big decision that we have to make. The se- second thing I want to say, if we want to store up treasures in heaven, and I hope you do. I didn't ask you the question. Do you want to store treasures up in heaven? So number one, only God. Number two, we have to recognize that I am just a steward. I am just a steward. What do I mean by that? Well, I'm not just now going to start saying, can you, can you bring those steward jackets for me because we need some help in the car park and we're going to give you a big fluorescent you know, jacket that says S on the back that isn't Superman, it's steward. You know, we've all seen these stewards. I love stewards. I think they're brilliant. Does anybody do any stewarding work here? In church, yeah, but outside of church, in the work. Great, I can say it then, I can say what I want. Okay, they're always jobs worth, aren't they? They're always Mr. Jobsworth. You can't do that. Why can't I? Health and safety. I tell you what, I want to smack health and safety 
Oh, I'm sorry, I'm not allowed to say that, am I? Because it's, you know, the laws that live and raising the bar and turning the other cheek and perfect love and all that. But just for a moment, I want to smack them right where it hurts. Okay. I'm not talking about that kind of stewarding. I'm talking about recognizing that we are just stewards. Let me give you a definition of a steward. A steward is a person who looks after, get this, or manages or has responsibility for someone else's belongings. What are you saying, Christian? Are you saying then that what I have is not my own? Yes. Yes. If you thought that money in your bank was yours, you're wrong. It's God's. If you think that car is yours, I'm sorry. You're wrong. It's God's. If you th- that house, yeah, but I, I'm not. It's God's. What, my jacket? Yeah, it's all God's. It all belongs to him. It's all his. Now, God in his mercy actually says, you know what? I know these people will have difficulty getting this. So what I'm going to do, I'm just going to ask... ask with their money, John T., I'm going to ask them just for a fraction of it. And I'm not, and I'm not going to start getting on to tithing, but you'll understand. I'm just going to ask them, even though I've, it's mine, I'm going to let them think it's theirs because I want them to be stewards of what I've given to them. But I'm just going to ask them, as a sign of obedience and as a test to them, to just give back to me what I've already given to them, 10%. Well, that would work out. I, I do all the work. You might be saying, I'm the one who's got the job now. You must understand I really mean this. Our lives are not our own. It's God's job. That's why when you turn up late for work, you're not just making a mockery of yourself, you're making a mockery of God. That what nobody else can see. Uh, excuse me. God sees everything. He really does. This is not easy stuff, is it? That's why I need a lie down. Am I all right to have a lie down for, for a minute? Could do with putting my feet up and having a lie down with this sort of stuff. And if you think that I like this kind of stuff, I don't. Because I like comfort. Anybody else like comfort here? I like it comfortable and easy and nice and, oh, I just love all that. The nice, cozy feeling of, but unfortunately, the life that many of us have signed into isn't that. So we have to recognize that we are stewards. So what I have belongs to God, and what's in my hand belongs to God. I want you all to do something. I want you to just, literally, if you've got pockets, shove your hands in your pockets, or put your hand in your purse, or put your hand on your wallet, or whatever. And I want you to just recognize, I mean, I've got absolutely nothing in my pockets, which is pretty typical. I don't even need to ask my dad if he has anything, because he's never got any cash in his, in his flipping pockets. But, here we are. All that we have... All that's in our hands belongs to God. We are stewards of what God has given to us. That's all it is. Here's another thing I want to say. You see, stewardship is the act of organizing your life. Get this. Stewardship is the act of organizing your life so that God can spend you. God can spend you. So what am I a steward of? Just quickly, three things. Number one, 
I've addressed it, and it's quite simple. Number one, I'm a steward of my possessions. So cars, house, houses, clothes, savings, they don't belong to me. They belong to God. Now, I have to confess to you, the light only came on about this in me. Probably, I can't put it, let me just put, it's not been long, three years, four years. You may say, well, you've been pastoring all that time, and what's that got to do with it? Sometimes revelation and illumination doesn't always hit, and if you've got a thick head like me, and a pig-headed like me, it doesn't always get, but it just came to me. You see, what I have is not mine. So when I say, well, no, I can't help somebody out with my car, uh, excuse me, um, God's knocking on my heart, excuse me, this isn't your car. This is my car. So use my car for that person, please. Oh, flipping egg. Does anybody like this stuff? Is anybody in blessing? That house. Oh, I just, don't we all just love going home and drawing the curtains and putting the fire on and having a cup of tea with our feet up? But it's not your house. It's my house. So if somebody needs some help, open up your house. And be a blessing. Now, for people like Jill and Ken, that's not a problem. Jill thrives on people being in the house. But for some of the others, we're not as fussed about that, are we? We just want a cup of tea and our feet up, don't we? And you can see by this how I am. I love my feet up and a cup of tea in my hand. We have to recognize that we're stewards of our possessions. Secondly, we are stewards, and you're going to really listen to me carefully here, because some of you have real problems with this. Real problems. Because you don't believe you have it. You are a steward of your talent. Of your talent. Well, I haven't got anything to contribute, you may be saying at this moment. I, what, what am I? I'm, I'm just a cook. I'm just a cleaner. I'm just a nurse. I'm just a teacher. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just. I want to say God has given you, each and every one of you, an incredible talent. Some of you have been blessed with more talent than others in certain areas, as in you've been given a lot more different talents. That's cool. And I say this sincerely, and then there's some of us, like me, who have not been blessed with as many. Because I can't play an instrument. I'm not the best singer. I'm not the best footballer. I'm not the best athlete. I'm not the best reader. I'm not the best cleverest man. I'm not painting a bad picture. I'm just saying this is where I'm at. My, my Annie thinks I can walk on water, and I just keep letting her believe that, all right? But, you know, and I, and I love the fact that my kids just think I'm awesome. Yeah. And, I, and I want them to think that, but I'm not, I'm, I'm, you know, nothing brilliant, but I, I know I have something from God. I'm going to pause at this moment, because some of you don't believe you have anything from God. I want to tell you, it's a devil's lie. He's been ripping you off for years. He's been ripping you off for years. If you believe that, you believe in the devil's lie. You've got great talent. It might be you're a cleaner. Well, I want to tell you that God's given you a great talent to clean. Some of you are brilliant at DIY. Well, you do the DIY. Some of you, we've seen them tonight, brilliant musicians and singers. Well, you play and sing your flipping arts out. Some of you are brilliant with money. 
You just administrate money. Some of you are brilliant administrators. Just administrate. Some of you are brilliant leaders. And we haven't seen it. Organizers and getting things done. God has given you all incredible talents. And you are a steward of that talent. Are you hearing me? That means to say, please don't hide your talent in the ground. Use your talent to the praise and glory of God and bring it to the church and let God do something with your talent in the life of the church. Arena Church is going to grow not because of us guys. It's going to grow when we all combined and collectively bring our talents and our resources, our possessions and give it all to God because we say it's only God. And when we begin to do that, God will begin to do amazing things with our lives. So we give him our possessions, our talents. And the last, thirdly, we're stewards of our possibilities. Of our possibilities. What am I saying? Well, your dreams and your visions, you're a steward of that dream and that vision. I've met people who have been clearly fueled with a dream. But there are dreams and there are God's dreams. And I want to encourage you to decipher and discern between either of those two. But I want to say that God wants to put a dream and a vision and a possibility in each and every one of our lives. And he wants you to be a steward. He wants you to manage and have responsibility and look after that vision and that dream. I had an interesting thing that happened a couple of summers ago. One of the kids had found a ladybird in the garden. And uh, I think they were a bit unsure about it initially. So I just got this ladybird and just let it walk around my, my hand. Typically, Isaac... The lad, and he's got massive hands, my little lad has. And he's not the most gentlest. He's, he's lovely and he's very compassionate and very loving. But he's not overly gently. He's, he's obviously got my dad's side of loves a hammer and a chisel. Well, actually, that's me. I'm Mr. Demolition Man. I just love demolition. But he just loves getting older things. And Well, he wanted to get older, this ladybird. And he was holding it too tightly. Now, there is a story to this. He didn't kill it for any of you vegetarian-loving, animal-loving kind of people. It was all right. But there was something that happened there, and I realized, you see, you have to be careful, because if you hold some things too tightly, you can kill them. You can kill them. You have to be careful with kids. You don't hold them too tightly, or you'll kill them. Hello? Yeah. You have to be careful with, certainly, your money. You don't hold it too tightly. It's like that sand in your hand. If you grip it too tight, well, does it do? It just pours out your hand. Now, to, I, I realize something that even with our possibilities, our visions, our dreams, we need to hold them very lightly. Very, very lightly. Because if you don't, if you grip it too tightly and hold it too heavily, you could ultimately kill what's in your hand. Gordon MacDonald says this. Great author. One of the greatest missing teachings in the American church today, and this would be the same in the United Kingdom, is the reminder to men and women that nothing we have belongs to us. Nothing we have belongs to us. Well, Mr. McDonald, I've just reminded the UK church and Arena Church that actually nothing we have 
belongs to us. It's only God. So if we want to store treasures here on earth, there's another couple of things, but time's gone. Then I believe these things will hold us really well if we will be people who determine and decide today that it's all about God. And then we recognize that we are just stewards of what God has given to us with our possessions, with our talent, and with our possibilities. You see, you cannot serve both God and whatever you want to put on there. You cannot serve both God and something else. We need to understand that Jesus was addressing the law of right stewardship. I wrote in my notes, and I'll finish with this. You know when you've got, when God's got somebody's heart, and a, and a church leader knows when people are getting it, and unfortunately it often boils down to money, because here's the question. If we can be, could be asked by church and by the leadership, and we're not about to do this, by the way. I'm just using it as an example. But if we were able to come to the church and say, guys, we need 1,000, we need 2,000, we need 500, we need not just a few pence, we need hundreds, thousands of pounds, and we need you to give it from your possessions. The way that I know, and the way that God knows, is if we are understanding the law of right stewardship and understanding it's in our power to be able to deliver it, the way that we know that people are living with this law of right stewardship is when they are asked, there is no offence taken. There is no offence taken. Unfortunately, there's been occasions when we've needed to ask questions, not necessarily in Ilkeston, but as I've been around church long enough, and there has been great offence taken when people have, uh, have been asked to just contribute something to God and for the kingdom and for church. And there's been great offence that has been taken. I want to continue to dig deep a foundation in Arena Church that says we understand the law of right stewardship. We understand it's not mine, it's all God's. So when we come to the point of needing to come to the church and say, guys, whatever you've got in your power, we're asking you to go away and pray, to go away and seek the Lord, but don't hold back. Then we will know at that point, when there's no offense, we've laid a good foundation. Amen.